unlike the Islanders, the Mets survive, and they are still very much alive. Now only a game and a half back of a playoff spot in the National League. After a series in Philadelphia where, look, I ended the last podcast saying this team needs to win this series out there. And <laughs> I mean, to lose the opener, and then Jacob deGrom gets early in game two. They're able to come back. Uh, the finale on Thursday night, they get off to this great start and score three runs in the first off Aaron Nola, and then it's gone in a heartbeat as Seth Lugo gets slaughtered. I, I mean, it was just a wild, wild series, uh, both in the big picture for the Mets and within these games. Yeah, you know, first of all, the, the Mets survived against Philadelphia. The Islanders also did that. Let's see if they get through Tampa next week. That's that's the big issue uh, for the Mets. You know, it's I feel like you watch those last two games of the series in particular on Wednesday and Thursday, and you, you try to imagine what it's like to watch the Phillies on a nightly basis with this bullpen. We got a sense of it with the Mets last year, obviously, and that was over six months and 162 games, so it, it wears on you at a different level. But... I mean, statistically, the Mets bullpen from last season, which was as bad as it was, is not in the same stratosphere as this Phillies bullpen, which has an ERA over seven. They've given up like 40 or 41 runs in their last 42 innings. It's really just a matter of time until you come back against them, which is why we've seen Joe Girardi push Zach Wheeler and, and Aaron Nola a little bit this season. Um, but, you know, the, the Mets, it, it's a testament to them that they were able to come back from down four on Wednesday, down three on Thursday. They got 11 outs in back-to-back games from their two quote-unquote best starters uh, in Jacob deGrom and Seth Lugo. I don't know why I said quote-unquote. They are their two best starters <laughs> at this point. We can debate Lugo in a little bit. Um, but, you know, that they were able to do that, and they're able to stay in it. You know, 23 and 27 should not be in any playoff race, let alone what sport you're playing, not even in, like, old uh, the hockey when you like 16 out of 21 teams made it this should not be good enough for a playoff spot but hey they're a game and a half out the team they're chasing in Philadelphia isn't going to have JT Real Muto for another weekend now uh, Gene Segura is going to be out for a little I have no idea what's going on with their pitching staff because they lost Arietta. so you know it's a, it's a wide open door for them in the National League and and you know take what you can get at this point no absolutely you take whatever uh, someone's going to give you and the Mets just get into the playoffs and then see what happens. You know, it's two out of three. There are no off days in these series. It's going to be really weird, <laughs> the whole thing. And maybe some of those things don't play to the Mets' strength, being that they have uh, the great ace and Jacob deGrom, assuming that uh, he'll be healthy next time around. But there's just going to be chaos in the postseason this year for baseball. And you just want to try to be a part of that. Uh, and Brandon Nimmo, a big reason why the Mets are still in this conversation at the game-tying double on Thursday night. And then the go-ahead home run in the ninth inning. And it's maybe the first time that you watch Brandon Nimmo admire something that he did on a baseball field and not be gunning it right out of the box. Yeah, he said, that was not normal me on that. Uh, he was pretty happy after the game. And, and Louis Rojas said that was the first, that was the slowest he'd ever seen Nimmo getting out of the box. You know, he had a huge series for them. I think it was seven for 12, uh, a few extra base hits, obviously the two of them uh, on, on Thursday. Uh, and, you know, you look up and down this lineup, uh, you know, I, I think I, I, you can worry a little bit about how the right-handed hitters are doing uh, in, in Pete Alonso, obviously. Wilson Ramos has struggled a lot since last Friday. Uh, Frazier hasn't done a whole lot since the first couple games. And then J.D. Davis, until the big game on Wednesday, had been in a slump. 
And so the the left-right balance has been an issue. You know, Jeff McNeil's still hitting seventh while he's been hitting like 450 for a couple of weeks. Uh, and, and you wonder if that changes soon enough. But uh, the, the lineup is, is really good. It's built to take advantage uh, of a bullpen like Philadelphia's. Uh, and they were, were able to do that the last couple nights. Uh, and it's one of those things like just you just wish you could have married this offense with one of the pitching staffs from the last couple of years because that would have been a team that would have been right there not only with the Braves in the National League East, but maybe with the best teams in the National League overall. No, I mean, that would be fun to see. <laughs> Unfortunately, that is not the Mets' life in this year where the, the pitching is – all over the place, and they're throwing guys in this rotation. Forget about what's going on in the bullpen. It, uh, they're they're hitting, and that's what's keeping them alive right now. And Edward Diaz, look, I, I guess he's he's getting the job done. But uh, another, maybe not quite a heart attack on Thursday. But when you you grab a four run lead, you don't really need to see the tying run strolling to the plate twenty minutes later. The tying run in the the form of an MVP, a former MVP with another former MVP on deck. Uh, yeah, you know, I think that was a that's one of those weird calls for a manager because, you know, the Mets take the lead on the Nimmo home run uh, leading off the ninth inning. And so you get Diaz up. I know it's his, it's his third appearance in three days, but he had, you know, the plan going in was if you have a save opportunity, Diaz was ready for Louis Rojas. Uh, and then you you build that lead to a four-run lead. But since you've already gotten Diaz up, you want to use him. But you know he might not be at his best because it's three days in a row. Uh, so, so you know, it, it's kind of a, a, a tough spot for him. I think if if you abandon Diaz and go to Miguel Castro to start that inning, maybe the inning goes smoother. But you probably still don't get Diaz neck to, on, on Friday either because you had to warm him up so quickly. Uh, so I, I think that's why they put him in the game. Uh, he, he obviously didn't have his best command, I, I think. An outing like this for him and for Justin Wilson earlier probably dissuades Rojas from going to them three days in a row moving forward, at least, you know, until maybe a postseason series or something like that. Uh, but uh, they were able to get through it. You know, Diaz still, you know, you're still working through your trust issues with him uh, in the ninth inning. Uh, the, That's putting it lightly. <laughs> the primary stats are there. The ERA is low. The strikeout rate is absurd. But there's still those times where he's not able to harness that stuff in the strike zone. He starts walking guys, uh, and you're worried about like that one hanging slider that he always threw last year uh, that he hasn't hasn't thrown uh, yet this year. That you're just, you're just waiting for that to come, especially in Philadelphia where there was a, a pretty memorable one last year. Yes, there was. I I don't think I'll ever trust Edwin Diaz completely in the ninth inning. Like, like I said, coming into the year. I mean, he needs to have a Brad Lidge perfect season, no blown saves, and maybe we could talk about it. But it's just there's there's still this angst, and when you see the bases loaded, and look, it's in the the history of Mets closers. John Franco felt like the bases were always loaded, and more often than not, got out of it. Uh, Jerry's Familia, so often there'd be runners on base. I mean, it's just kind of the nature of it, but. For at least tonight, uh, Edwin Diaz gets away with it. Seth Lugo gets away with one as well. We'll delve into him when we come back. Hi, this is the Athletics Joe Posnanski for Liquid IV. Believe it or not, dehydration occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. And in this case, I can tell you that I love Liquid IV. I use it. Uh, it is, uh, first of all, it tastes pretty good. And, uh, when I go out, I play, uh, some tennis trying to stay in shape 
and it has been uh, fantastic for me as far as staying hydrated. Uh, I've felt uh, better rested uh, after uh, after matches. I've I feel uh, I feel a lot better. It's I, it really works. It's really good. One serving, let me give you the uh, the info here. One serving of liquid IV provides the same hydration as two or three bottles of water alone, as I mentioned before. Contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana, okay? Healthier than sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavors or preservatives. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code word ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use the promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. So, Tim, Seth Lugo is staked to a three-run lead in the first inning and turns around gives a back-to-back-to-back home runs. It's frustrating because I've been pushing for this for a long time. I want to see Seth Lugo in the rotation. want to see it, want to see it, want to see it. And you cautioned that, look, doing it in the middle of this season just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. By the time he is stretched out, there's not going to be much time left. And really, Thursday night start, this was the first start where they had a fully stretched out Seth Lugo where he could have gone 100 pitches and instead he's out in the second inning. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's funny how, how quick, you know, it, it's easy as a writer to just like look at Twitter and gauge how the entire fan base feels based on Twitter. So for the longest time, it's just been everyone wants Seth Lugo in the rotation. And then he gives up back-to-back-to-back home runs in the first inning. And everyone thought, this was why I never wanted Seth Lugo in the rotation. <laughs> I think, you know, what the, the reasons I didn't like doing it this year uh, were that, you know, like you said, by the time you built him up, he was only going to have a, cu- a handful of, not even a handful of, of like full-fledged, he could go six innings for you starts. Um, and you were taking him out of the bullpen at a time where, you know, you didn't have a lot of trustworthy pieces at that moment and that it was going to be tough to gauge what you thought of him as a starter based off the limited sample you were going to see this year. If he was only going to get three or four starts at really like full stretched out um, value, like what were you going to take away from them? And now this is one of those starts. So, Hmm. you know, what does this say about him as a starter? I'm not worried about it in 2020. It's kind of as you're talking about 2021 in your rotation. If this is, you know, is this one of those, you know, it's one start, you throw it out. Jacob deGrom has had starts kind of like this. I guess he had a couple last year. Uh, But, you know, good starters have days like this. It's okay. Uh, But when it's one out of 32 or two out of 32 versus one out of four or eight or however you want to put the denominator for Lugo this year it's harder to ignore and then you look at you know I know tonight kind of hurts uh, tonight kind of um, skews the numbers that's the word I was looking for uh, overall for him but you look at you know first time through the order second time through the order now that he's been a starter for a little bit you know first time through the order uh, the the average is is 250 against him the batting average uh, he struck out 18 out of 44 guy 18 out of 45 guys it's a pretty good percentage uh, i can't do the math in my head that's uh six out of 15 that's 40 percent strikeout rate that's pretty good uh and then second time through guys are hitting 400 off of him 10 for 25 that you know they went three for four on on thursday that helps but before that it was still 333 uh, the on-base percentage against him second time through is 500. The strikeout rate, uh, a little bit lower, um, but still decent. 
Um, so, you, you know, I'll be honest. The, the first time, second time, third time, I hate all these stats <laughs> because the guys get pulled and it, it doesn't mean anything. But I will say, look at the velocity. The velocity when he's a starter is about four miles per hour less than as a reliever. He was throwing at times on Thursday night 90 miles per hour. And it was a, a straight fastball where it was a fastball each time getting ripped for Lugo. That That's troubling to me. I don't care about the times to the order and all that kind of all those stats. The fact that his performance is less would be something that I would consider going into next year. Now, I'd still like Seth Lugo in the rotation, and I think that you could build him up properly if you plan it uh, in, a, in a way rather than making the decision in the middle of the season here. But that's that's definitely something that has to really be looked at this offseason. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say the, the results getting worse as the game goes on is a symptom of the main cause, which is the velocity going down. And, like, you know, that his first start when he throws three perfect innings, it's not that different than a relief appearance for him. We've seen him do that mm-hmm. out of the bullpen. So you can't really gauge the velocity the same way now that you're seeing him every fifth day. I thought that start against Toronto really seemed like he got tired as that game went on. That was the first time he got into a lineup the third time. Uh, so you start to see that wear on him. So, you know, I think the last couple of starts he's going to make for you, it's going to be really, you know, and he's lined up to start Tuesday and then the season finale on sun, on the following Sunday in Washington. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he how he's doing physically off of this, where the velocity is, uh, and and kind of how this stuff plays versus what we've seen out of the bullpen the last couple of years as, as a determining factor, not for like October 2020, but for next season and where you want to slot him in, how you want to build your team with him as a part of it. A big weekend, obviously, coming up for the Mets. We'll break it down after this. Hi, I'm the Athletics' Joe Posnanski uh, for Indochino. You know, finding clothes that fit you just right can be incredibly challenging, especially for somebody like me who has uh, a body type I would call um, dumpy. It's tough to find anything that fits right. You know, I'm not really a large. I'm not really an extra large. I'm not really a double extra large. I'm not really anything. So it's obviously, it's fantastic. You go to Indochino. They have you uh, go through this entire fitting process where you give them basically every single bit of information that you have about yourself. Uh, you have every measurement you have, uh, who your favorite beetle is, uh, you know what what uh, you believe about the infield fly rule, and uh, and then you come out and and they're they're going to send you uh, clothes that are uh, that fit you really better than anything you could possibly get in the store. It's it's fantastic. Uh, with Indochino, you get custom fitted suits, coats, casual wear uh, at surprisingly affordable prices. Customize everything from the fabric and lining to the lapel shape and uh, monogram if you're a monogram kind of person. Uh, if you're getting married, Indochino is a no brainer for you and your groomsmen. Forget about the off the rack suits that don't fit different body types. Indochino gives everyone a tailored fit. Visit one of the Indochino showrooms across North America or book a virtual appointment and shop online at Indochino.com. And right now, you'll get $30 off any purchase of $3.99 or more when you enter the code JOE at checkout. Look at that, JOE. It's for me. JOE at checkout. That's super easy to remember. You go to Indochino.com, and the promo code is JOE. So the Mets get three with the Atlanta Braves, and if you want to look beyond that, then it'll be three at home with Tampa, 
followed by four in Washington. That that's all. Ten games remaining on the docket. It gets a little crazier with the games that the Cardinals have to make up and some of the other things that'll be interesting in this wild card race slash trying to get to that second spot in the division, which is a little bit tougher was there uh, multiple games behind Miami. But this Braves team, they are loaded. Uh, they are healthy in the lineup. Adam Duvall has just been crushing the ball for them in the month of September. And they, they look like the team that won the division last year and is finally hitting uh, hitting their stride. Yeah, hitting their stride is, is the, the right verb because this offense is really, really good. They've got five guys with an OPS over 900. Freddie Freeman's is over 1,100. Uh, if you're voting for MVP today, he might be the number one guy in the National League uh, at the moment, the way he's hitting. Uh, you know, the it, it's a real test for a Mets rotation that's going to go in there, and, and you're not going to have DeGrom or Lugo to start against them. It's going to be Steven Matz and David Peterson uh, and Rick Porcello. Uh, they haven't named Porcello for Sunday. You assume he'll, he'll get that start. Uh, and, you know, especially, again, for Matz and Peterson, these are big starts for them as you start to plan out your 2021 rotation. They're, they're big starts in the, as you're trying to make a playoff run, but you know, you've got two starts left this year. How comfortable are the Mets going to feel writing your name into the rotation for next season based off of what you've done this year? Matt's certainly has been a, a wreck until this point. Uh, he's got two starts to rectify his year and go into the offseason with some confidence, but he's got to do it against uh, a really, really good lineup, a lineup that hits uh, lefties pretty well too. Yeah, otherwise, you know, those guys struggle and you don't feel confident in them. The Mets be diving back into that free agent market, you got to think, for starting pitching. And let's hope that they do a little better than they did uh, for Jed Lowry, we can now officially say. Yeah, I mean, that was the inevitable conclusion of all of this. The minute I, th I think he went on uh, the, the injured list to start the season, or at least the 45-day early on in the season, uh, you, you knew he was not coming back at any point in 2020. Uh, and so it's... Uh, you know two years the worst signing in franchise history i mean you can't get worse vince coleman was bad pete and, you know it, it's almost you look at it, it's funny because you look at the infield and you might say it's a blessing in disguise that they didn't have jed lowry because they've had room to play uh guys like jd davis at third and jeff mcneil on the infield and andres jimenez around the infield uh you wonder how different it would have been if lowry were healthy this whole time uh, you know, if you were productive, great, that would have been fine. But if Jed Lowry had been like a 260-330 hitter uh, in average and on base the last couple of years, you know, what would the, the Mets' opportunities have looked like for some of those younger guys? That's, that's a question That almost makes wondering. it sound worse for Brody Van Wagenen. It, you know, it, it, <laughs> it does. Uh, so it's, it's a signing that, that made not a lot of sense at the time and uh, has worked out very, very poorly, obviously. Well, here we go. Uh, Mets Braves this weekend. We'll be back with you on Tuesday morning. Stretch run, pennant race baseball with a losing record. I, I mean, take what you can get. It's 2020, right? Uh, I'm Pete McCarthy. Thanks for joining. Talk soon, Tim. Adios, Pete.